This is episode number 68 with Max Gordon. Max is currently a hitting trainer at Driveline Baseball. Uh, He has a very unique story of how he got to be where he's at. Um, Ended up winning a state championship in high school, went to a junior college, which a lot of people do, and then ended up actually moving back home and didn't even play baseball for almost a year. Walked on at Oregon State and ended up working his way into the starting rotation and started in the College World Series. So very inspirational. Um, I know several people out there, players, coaches, parents of players. It can be stressful, you know, especially if you're in the recruiting process of not knowing where you're going to be. And sometimes it's not a straight road. Not everyone gets a, a scholarship offer their freshman and sophomore season to a, a Division One school and then everything else is just gravy. Um, it can be a tough road, and, and Max is someone who shows that it, that you, it can be done. You have to have some resilience. You have to continue to work and, and believe in yourself. Uh, Max knows a ton about hitting. He is actually TPI certified, which is um, something he'll get into and explain exactly what that is in this episode. Um, this episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is a bat sensor that I've been using for the past few years now, and it's really helped uh, my hitters understand what we want to do with the swing. Um, so many times hitters will, will swing down at the baseball or have a negative attack angle, which measures whether you swing down or up. Um, it, it's something that I actually use on all ages of my athletes that I train with, um, as young as six to seven, all the way up to 23, 24 years old. Um, it can measure time to contact, bat speed, how long you're on plane for. It's something that several Major League Baseball organizations are buying into, and Carlos Correa is a big sponsor of that. He uses it on a regular basis as well. So if you guys are interested in that, head on over to BlastMotion.com and type in code PJB25 for $25 off. That is PJB25 for $25 off. And now we have on Max Gordon. We now have on Max Gordon, who is a hitting trainer at Driveline. Max, your Oregon State, uh, your alma mater, Oregon State, just won the national championship. Were you able to go to Omaha to watch that? Yeah, yeah, I was. It was a wild trip, but uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I was able to get out there and watch the boys take it home. Um, do you go back to Oregon State on a regular basis to just kind of visit with the coaches and kind of interact with the players and stuff? Uh, yeah, if I can, um, not, not as often as I'd like to, um, being at driveline, um, there's a lot of things that we got to get taken care of and, um, a lot of hitters that need to get, uh, some work done, but, um, as often as I can get down there, I'll go watch a game or, um, we got alumni weekend. So that's a, that's always a fun time to go watch a football game and see all the, the old teams and the new teams and some of my old teammates. So it's a, it's a good trip. So kind of take me back to, I mean, how you kind of got started um, in baseball, like growing up, was it an obsession for you or um, just kind of like, just give me some background um, in yourself about the game. Um, Yeah, um, pretty much how I got started is it was a total obsession, addiction thing as any other, you know, 9, 10, 11 year old. And um, I'd come home and 
you know, the, the town I grew up in, we pretty much played whatever sport was relevant, uh, during that season. But, uh, it was hard to get the, the baseball bat out of my hands, but, um, I'd come home and I'd be hitting by myself. And then my dad come home from a long day of work and I'd make him throw me some. And I could just, I, I remember the look on his face where he was like, I just want to go inside and relax, but okay, <laughs> fine. You know? And so he, he was a trooper, though. You know, he, he'd throw me balls, and, and then finally he got me uh, one of those pitchback nets that I could just basically play with myself all the time. So I was like a dog out there chasing a tennis ball. Um, but, yeah, I got I actually used to get in a little bit of a trouble. I used to take a broomstick and uh, take the broom off of it and break the handle over a tree, and then uh, we had this big gravel pit out in our backyard, and I'd just soft-toss myself uh, little pieces of gravel and just hit them with the broomstick until <laughs> – so the broomstick was basically gone. So, basically, like uh, like a lot of Latin players, you were just any any possible way you could just hit something with an object. You were doing it. I loved hitting stuff. I still love hitting <laughs> stuff. It's just uh, yeah. So whatever I could swing that I got in my hands, I was doing it. And so once you got into high school, kind of you kind of have a unique journey, but. Um, once you got into high school, I guess your freshman, sophomore year, I mean, were you thinking, you know, division one or college baseball or what, what was going through your mind? I was, yeah, I was definitely, uh, I was definitely looking to go to college and play ball. Um, as a, as a freshman, I was playing shortstop, um, freshman, sophomore year, I played a uh, shortstop left-handed. <laughs> um, yeah, I know everybody. Everybody back home that I like played against uh, during the summer, we you know you play with the other high school high schoolers, and they're like, "Oh, you're that left-handed shortstop guy." It's like, yeah, I am. I also catch. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I was uh, I was definitely interested in going to play college. I I didn't know um, where I kind of fit as far as talent-wise went. I I always figured I'd go junior college, which is what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, pretty much. And then um, ended up being that you actually won a state championship as well, right? Take me through that kind of that journey um, as a high school athlete. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty wild ride. Um, we had we had my buddy Sam Gavilio, um, who actually just started last night for the Blue Jays, um, going on the mound, and we had a pretty relaxed schedule that year because we had just changed conferences and we had basically like the two best arms in the state, so. Our schedule was double headers uh, three times a week, so we would just throw out our best two arms, and they'd throw like complete game no hitters, and we would ten run everybody, and so it was cake to get to the state championship. Playoffs was a different story, um, but uh, yeah, we we ended up uh, winning the first state championship in the, our high school's history, and uh, the only one since. But um, it was a pretty wild ride, um, especially with you know. A lot of things going on, um, family-wise, and it, at that part of the year, it was just a, it was a, a crazy little trip we had. And then once you got to junior college, um, I know a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about junior college baseball. Um, give us some background on it because I know there's some really good players that come out of junior college. It just it doesn't always get the attention that a a, a big D1 would get. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, junior college is definitely an overlooked avenue. Um, I coached, uh, I coached at Feather River for a couple of years, and we had some really good guys that so we got out to some good schools. But um, when I was at junior college, I went to a, a, a JC in the Sacramento area called uh, Sierra College, and I, th- I think our whole 
all but one on our starting lineup ended up going D1. And um, my roommate went to USC, and he was a California State Player of the Year. Um, we had a guy get drafted by the Mets that hit in the four hole that played uh, third for us. Um, but it was uh, it was definitely you know a grind as people you know love to say. Um, but it, it truly was. We were out. We had to raise all the money. We were putting in a new uh, infield, so we had to raise all the money to pay for the infield. And so, I mean, you're selling 160 raffle tickets at five bucks a pop. And if you don't sell them, you don't get to make the club. So a lot of guys are paying for whatever they got left over out of their own pocket. So basically everyone that won the raffle was on the team. Jeez, that's, that funny. sounds like, like high school baseball. Yeah, it was, you know, and you had to sell like uh, $350 worth of apparel, which turned out to be all of my family's Christmas gifts that year, <laughs> you know, so it, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of work and, you know, the, they don't have, uh, they don't have time constraints on practices. So you're out there from two to seven, you know, in California weather, you can, you can be out there every day, all day. So, um, and we were. And we worked hard, but um, I really think that 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 work and and um, that coaching staff did a really good job of preparing uh, me and and my teammates to go play at bigger schools and and be prepared, like ready to perform right away. Uh, I think they did a good job of that. From what I've seen from the junior college level, like guys are there because they're overlooked in high school or maybe they had like some grade issue or got in trouble or something. Is that, would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And, and you'll get, you know, um, you'll get a guy that goes to, uh, like we had a, we had a guy that went to Long Beach state, great player. And, um, he was just buried behind, you know, huge guys and, you know, going in there as a freshman, he's not going to take their job. And he also doesn't want to wait to be a, you know, a senior or a junior to start. So he, he bounced back to Sierra and, uh, ended up going off for us. And he went to like university of San Francisco, I believe. But, um, yeah, you'll, you'll get guys that, um, that'll just kind of show up out of nowhere. It's like, this guy's really good. how do he get here? And it's like, Oh, well he went that, he went that route earlier and just saw that, you know, it's not the time. So it's, it's just a nice little way to just buy yourself some time. And you never know if something clicks and you're in, in front of the right guy. Like we had that guy get drafted in the 13th round. You know, that, that could also happen as well. Um, and then while you're in junior college, though, is it similar to high school in the sense where you're starting over from a recruiting standpoint? Because you can only be there, play for two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and um, some Division One coaches, they will uh, – they'll tell you, you know, Hey, I, I really like you, you know, um, but I, I don't know if, if this is the time now, or they'll tell you like, you need to play. We'd like to have you here, but you're not going to play in, you know, this year or the next year. Like, why don't you go to junior college? We'll keep up with you. You know, if you keep going, going insane at the plate, then, um, then we'll absolutely get you back here. You know, so there's those conversations as well that could happen. Did that happen to you with Oregon State, or how did you end up there? No, no, I was, uh, I had a little bit different route. Um, I was, uh, I was playing at Sierra. I played my freshman year, and then uh, my sophomore fall, I ended up, um, I ended up moving home. Um, I had a, I had a little issue with just uh, depression and stuff. A, a few things got to me, and um, I actually met with our coaching staff, and and they told me. Um, 
they're like, you know, you're, you're not the same guy this year. I think, uh, I think it might be a better idea if you went home and got some help and they kind of knew my whole story. So everybody was kind of on board. So I went home and, uh, mowed lawns for a while and I decided that, um, I wanted to play baseball again. And I've been mowing lawns for about six months for the school maintenance department, just pushing this lawnmower around with this old, uh, this old, uh, veteran, um, that was uh, kind of my like immediate boss and he would tell me all these crazy stories about the war and stuff and he was an awesome dude but uh anyways i i was helping coach the high school and i uh i called up my buddy sam that uh was playing for oregon state that we won the state championship together and i asked for pat casey's number and i got him on the phone uh, i was actually wasn't expecting him to pick the phone up uh, but when he answered, I was like, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> hi, I'm just Max. And, um, I convinced him to let, let me come up and, uh, talk to him for a little bit. So uh, I drove up the next day and uh, I sat in his office and I spilled the beans and told him, you know, everything that was going on with me and that, uh, Oregon state was the, the dream and it's the only place I wanted to play. And I wanted to give it a shot and we sat in his office and talked for a few hours and, uh, later he said, you know, how about, uh, we got practice at two thirty or whatever. Like, why don't you, uh, why don't you go get some lunch, come back, I'll see you at practice and I'll introduce you to our outfield coach. And so came back and I met, uh, Pat Bailey, the outfield coach. And I think one of the first things out of his mouth was, you know, Hey Max, nice to meet you. I'm Pat. Um, so you're going to be coming, coming here in the fall, right? To try out. And that was it. I was like, absolutely. I will be here with bells on. Can't wait. Wow. That's, that's pretty, I mean, that's just pretty inspirational that, and you, it's funny in baseball, sometimes when you take a step back and, and get away from the game and, you know, in your case, it was, it was a little bit different. You were mowing lawns and, and things like that. And then you kind of get back into it somehow, some way. I mean, that's, that's pretty inspirational. I I mean, I, I like, I like hearing stories like that. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool, and I mean, I think the the coolest part about it was that they they allowed you know, like they had seen me play uh, with Sam, and they saw me play on some summer teams. Like I knew they were there, and luckily for me, those that's when I was like red hot hitting. But um, it was just nice that they were cool enough to just take the time to listen to a kid's story, you know, right. and um, because they they don't owe me anything and they got you know they can go get guys from anywhere you know it's one of the one of the best programs in the pacific northwest i mean if not the best so you know me wandering in there hoping i'm gonna get a shot was really kind of just absurd in in my viewpoint and they were cool enough to listen so um i I thought that was just you know something pretty special that uh doesn't come around too often. Really, really caught a break there that I was really looking for. Well, you ended up making the team. Um, how did you play like in fall ball? Because that, for those who don't know, that kind of really determines where you stand with the with the team, with the college team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, fall ball. Uh, shoot, my first fall was uh, it, it was a lot because you know I'm I'm back in school now and uh, and I'm learning all these. Uh, learn all this stuff. And basically what I told myself was don't, don't miss a sign. Don't miss a bunt, like get every hit and run down, like do everything that I can like 
physically do in my power, like do it perfect and like never screw it up. And that was, that was my focus. And that's basically what I did. I just executed, um, everything I could. I hit every cutoff, man. Um, I ran everywhere. I picked up all the balls. I set up all the screens. You know, I was kind of the, I was the ass kisser on the team. Like, to be honest, I mean, it's just the truth, but I'm not there to look cool. Like I'm there to make the team. So I knew that's what I had to do in order to make the club. And that's what I did. Um, I, I had some, I had some really good at bats. I got to face uh, Josh Osich and I got a, I got a hit off him and I got to hit off uh, Matt Boyd. And I mean, of course uh, my buddy Sam made me look like a fool, so that didn't help. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, I ended up performing. I was uh, the last guy to make the roster, and um, it was a pretty heated conversation in the coach's office that was like, uh, I think a couple of them were like, he can't play here, and a couple of them were like, we need this guy on our team. Like, I don't care if he can play or can't play. Like, he's a he's a good dude that's going to push other guys to be better, you know. So um, turned out that they, they ended up, uh, being done with the meeting and deciding that I was going to be on the, on the club. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was a really long fall and it it was a lot of work to, you know, just get, get myself into the conversation. Was that 2011 or was that 2011? Yeah, that was the, the, the spring season was 11. So that'd have been fall of 10. Okay. Fall of 10. Okay. Fall of 10, you played 11 and then your junior year, 2012, um, is that kind of, when you would say you kind of broke out a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, we, uh, I mean, the the center field job was open, um, open for the taking. It, it started out as kind of a revolving door, but towards probably the last half of the season, I kind of, I kind of grabbed hold of it and um, just kind of turned into the, like basically the everyday starter for the last half of the year, but. Uh, it was it wasn't easy. I mean, we I had um, really good competition right next to me all all junior year and senior year. I had some I had some good dudes that were uh, really pushing for that job. It was hard to hold them off. Well, you ended up you know making holding on holding on to that spot. Uh, you guys went to the College World Series um, playing in Omaha. What was that experience like? Uh, it was a it was a trip, man. It was crazy. Um, I was. Uh, it, it was crazy to think that, you know, just a couple of years before, um, I was out pushing a lawnmower in some, uh, Carhartts around, uh, Ashland high school district. And, um, and now I'm standing in center field in Omaha with Michael Conforto to my right and Dylan Davis to my left, you know, and I got Matt Boyd on the mountain. It was, uh, it was a wild experience to, to say the least. And, you know, everybody says, you know, you, you kind of black out in those moments and I made sure. Uh, in between innings like every time I would Mike and I would throw the ball like two or three times and then we would I would just throw it in the dugout and I would just kind of like look around just to really do everything I could to soak in the moment because I knew like this that that piece of the tournament was going to be the last pretty much the last part of my playing career so I really wanted to drink it all in well you ended up didn't you end up playing in the Pecos League for a little bit I did play in the Pecos League for a little bit oh yeah Do do you have any Pecos League stories um, well, well, first, first off, I, uh, I get a phone call, me and my dad are, so I, I got back home and me and my dad are tearing the deck out in our backyard and I get a phone call when we're at the dump 
and uh, this guy goes, hey, uh, my name's Ernie. I'm a head coach of uh, the White Sands Pupfish, and we need a center fielder. I was like, I'll be there. And I was like, when do you need me? And he goes, uh, I need you here tomorrow at 10 p.m. And it's like noon in southern Oregon, and I got to go down to southeast New Mexico. So I hang up the phone. I look at my dad. I'm like, we got to go home. I got to get on the road. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm traveling to New Mexico right now. So uh, I get down there, and he's like, uh, yeah, I get down there, and Ernie goes, all right, well, you know, you got you got white pants? I'm like, no. You got gray pants? Uh, no. So like, okay, well, there's a big five down the road. Get yourself some white pants, some gray pants. Here's your hat and your shirt. I'm like, what in the hell am I doing down here? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Ernie was our uh, – he was our three-hole hitting catcher slash manager. And um, it was funny because he'd, he'd, like, have a hat trick, and then he'd rip us for, like, bad base base running mistakes or something it's like oh my that is so pecos it hurts i'm yeah. a player manager insert himself in the three hole yeah yeah catching and it's like dude we got better catchers for sure did you get paid on time no did you get paid at all like how like how no. often did you get paid zero times you never got paid i never got paid because i i got there like kind of late and I think it just kind of like was whatever. And, you know, I'm sleeping I'm sleeping on a couch uh, in this pool house. And we're driving like 100 miles to the road games. And, like, you got to hound, hound the management for uh, gas money. And, uh, yeah, so I guess you could say I, was, I played professionally in the Pecos League, but I never got paid. So I think that's still an open door. Oh man, that I, I played in the Pecos League last year. We actually we won the championship, and uh, our manager got fired after the season. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very Pecos as well. Very Pecos as well. Um, yeah. After the after the Pecos League, did you know that? Hey, I want to stay in baseball forever as a coach or instructor, and just like not know exactly what you want to do or what was going through your mind after after the Pecos League. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I figured I wanted to coach. I didn't really know how or, um, where to get in. Um, I knew I wanted to be a, a college coach. Um, is kind of what my mindset was at that point. But, um, I started just as a, uh, as a JV head coach, um, by myself was my very first coaching gig. And of course, you know, I'm more concerned about, um, you know, getting the guys ready for the game and stuff. Like I don't have the lineup card ready at the first plate meeting. I show up and this guy's like, all right, let's exchange lineup cards. I'm like, Oh, I, I don't have one. <laughs> so, you know, I got to run back to the dugout real quick and make up a lineup that I screwed up. And then we got 10 run both games in the double header. So welcome to coaching right there. Um, but after that, um, I got a call from Terry Baumgartner, who was the uh, Feather River, still is the Feather River head coach, and he was asking about one of the Ashland High School guys. And we we had kind of been in communication while I was in high school, and we just uh, he's a, he's a really nice guy. He's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of connections, so he's kind of helped me. He helped me get on a summer team uh, one year after uh, my time at Sierra. And, um, so I just kind of stayed in contact cause he was just a good dude. And, um, 
at the end of our phone call, he said, you know, if you ever want a coaching spot, you just let me know. I'll get you up here. And I told him right there, I was like, I, I want one. I'm okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, right now? It's like, yeah, let's go. And um, so shoot, two days later, I, I drove down to Quincy and I filled out a bunch of paperwork. And I, filled, I finished the uh, JV season out and uh, moved down to Quincy, California, up in the Sierra Nevadas and um, started coaching up there. Was it difficult to to coach? Yeah, yeah, it was difficult. You know, um, I think um, I was lucky enough to have some really good coaches in uh, football and baseball as well. To and and some really kind of whatever coaches that you know, you know when you when you hear a coach talk and you kind of can you yourself kind of like get the glossy eyes and you just stop really paying attention you know like and then you get a guy that has very good presence and uh can own the room and guys are locked in and they're listening they're hanging on every word he says you know so it, it was hard to it was hard to toe that line though i think for a lot of a lot of young coaches that um are they want to be that guy and they, they want to talk and they want to hear their voice and you know i want to send a message to the team and and that was that was my thing in in jv and it was easy because I was the only coach. So I, and I didn't, I didn't have an assistant, so I could just talk all I wanted. It didn't, it didn't matter. But you know, when, when the other coaches would come around and I, I've got this thing in my head that I want to say to the guys after practice and another coach already says it, you know, I was at, I at least had enough feel to like bite my tongue just cause I don't need to reiterate it. These kids have already heard it. Like just because it's coming from somebody else doesn't mean I'm going to do it any better, you know, which, uh, which was uh, kind of fortunate because I've had that re- regurgitating coach that's just like, all right, man, like we've heard it. We've heard it a million times. Like we get it. Okay. That's enough. But uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenge in, far, in terms of just, uh, just speaking and, and trying to deliver a message to guys. Yeah. I'm actually, I feel like I'm talking to myself a little bit. I actually finished up coaching this past year. Uh, JV, I was the only coach as well. One of the things that I don't know if you you saw this as as well, but it, it's 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 tough because uh, these kids or some of the kids, I mean, not all of them, but they don't have necessarily the motivation or drive, and so it's like it's tough to I don't know like force you can't like force it, but like you want them to reach their potential, but they don't they don't really know what like hard work is yet because they're only JV. I don't know if did you feel that way at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, my guys, they, they I, I got pretty lucky. I had a, a pretty good group of kids. Um, but um, Ashland, Ashland's a different town, man. A lot of, a lot of music, a lot of Shakespeare stuff going on. So you're gonna get uh, when, you, when you get baseball guys, it's uh, you're gonna get a mixed bag of uh, personalities. Um, but I think it was, uh, I did a lot of, you know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not one to tell somebody something that they want to hear. So I, I told these guys, like, look, this is this is life, man. Like, it's gonna suck, and and you're gonna learn how to do it, and we're gonna do things right, and, or we're not gonna do them at all. So uh, they learned and they ran a lot if they did something wrong, and um, it was it was a lot of fun because at the end of the year, um, so that first team we played, we got absolutely demolished and then uh like 
seven weeks down the road, we got to play him again. It was just a single game. And uh, we took him all the way into the seventh inning and ended up losing in a 4-3 ball game. But um, at the when it was all over, like it looked like the other team had just got their butts kicked because we weren't very talented. They're the best team in the, you know, in the area. And their coach came up to me and was like, man, you really turned those boys around. And uh, it, it felt good, you know, to just see that I had my little, my little gang of dudes that were just ready to get after it, you know, no matter who, who's coming. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun to just see that change in, in the, in these kids. Absolutely. And then after the, after the season was over, did you know that you wanted to move on to like not coaching, um, play uh, high school kids anymore or move on to college or what was next? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I mean, I, I couldn't do the, the JV thing for too much longer. And, um, you know, living, living at home with the folks was pretty humbling as well. So, um, I was ready to, uh, get out there on my own and experience, uh, little bit of the college world and I love I love the college uh, the junior college game you know it's just it's dirty there's a bunch of stupid stuff going on in the dugout it's just like it's a lot of fun it's a lot of work um for all the coaches on staff you know and it's not it's not a lot of money it's not glamorous but uh the relationships you make between the these guys and you know the coaching staff is in most cases really really tight and um the, the crew we had at Feather River was they were awesome dudes, and um, I, I was I was pretty excited to get back into the junior college world. So how did you get to to Driveline and become um, and start working there? Um, well, I I uh, I applied for a customer relations position, um, and. I know Nate Yeski, um, the Oregon State pitching coach. Um, him and I have been talking quite a bit, and um, I was asking him about driveline, and um, I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna apply for a position. He's all, do it, do it, and I'll uh, I'll call Bodie, and um, see, you know, see if I can help you out. So I applied for this customer relations position, and I I kind of got into like the the second level of interviews, and then uh, I just kind of stopped hearing. And, but the, the thing that my Rathwell screwed up on our CEO was, uh, he gave me his phone number. So I called him and texted him like every other day for like a month and a half. And he never responded, but I just kept going. And, uh, I knew I was just bugging the ever living hell out of this guy. And, um, finally he calls me back. And at that point I had put like, Okay, if I don't hear back from this guy in a week, I'm gonna go, you know, down to the union and try and get an apprenticeship for the power company and be a lineman because that's what my dad did. And uh, I was, you know, I was ready to move on. I was, I was, uh, I needed something to happen. And sure enough, Mike calls me up and says, "Hey, uh, yeah, we're not hiring for that customer relations position you applied for two months ago that I haven't told you anything about." It's like, oh yeah, I kind of figured that. And then. Um, but he said, you know, we're, lo- we're losing a hitting trainer, and um, is that a position you'd be interested in? And, um, of course, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do in the first place. Um, so uh, Jason ended up calling me up um, uh, about three four days later and um, put me through a little uh, phone interview. And um, I got another phone call the next day from Jay, and um, he said, you know, when – 
Are you ready uh, to start? It'd be nice to get you up here and, you know, before June. And um, I was like, dude, I'll be there Monday. So um, that was in like late February. So I got up there uh, March 1st and started working a driveline. It was basically just I kept banging on the door until <laughs> until they opened it. What is it like uh, working and kind of just going to driveline for people who don't who haven't been there before? Um, driveline is a, it's a very unique place. Um, it can be intimidating for uh, a lot of guys when they walk in for the first time and, um, which is kind of, it's kind of fun to, you know, see a guy just like kind of break out of a shell. Cause you know, you get there and there's, you know, all the guys have been around, uh, especially on the, the hitting side, uh, all the hitters, they're always around each other. You know, it's, we, we have like a little team. It's, it's like a 40 man squad, but Everybody knows everybody. They're all pushing for each other's exit velos, and they kind of know, you know, okay, James hits hits the ball 92, and he hits this ball that hard. So, like, if somebody PRs, you'll, you'll see the whole squad go wild. Um, but it is uh, it's cool to see a guy break out of his shell um, after he's been there for a couple weeks, and, and he gets the lay of the land. He knows how to do things and who to ask what. And um, But it's definitely uh, – a unique environment that we've uh, we've been fortunate enough to create for the guys. I also see that you've been TPI certified, and I had Rick Strickland on a few months ago, and he kind of talked about how eventually baseball and TPI would co- are going to combine into doing a, a baseball um, sort of thing. And I just saw that that driveline has teamed up with TPI, so that's already happening right now. Um, what did you have to do, and like how did that help you? Um, as a baseball instructor becoming TPI certified? Um, so I, I got level one certified. Um, I, uh, I went online and I took like the, uh, it's like a prereq course where it's just a, a bunch of videos and they teach you about, um, it's all, it's all golf, um, which is great because I love golf. Um, so, uh, you go online and you go through all the videos and you kind of learn the screen through the videos and uh, it's all just like a, a physical body, like movement assessment screen. And um, and then after that, you have to uh, go to a seminar and they, they hold them all kind of around the country. And so I, I was lucky that there was one up in Vancouver, B.C. So I drove up there and I uh, stayed in the hotel and went through those like two two days, eight, two eight hour days in this room. And uh, we had uh, Dave Phillips, who's one of the co-founders, and then we had uh, a couple other uh, like level 100 TPI guys uh, teaching the course. And um, they did a really good job. Like they really overperformed and um, showed everybody, you know, exactly what you're looking for in the screen. And um, you know, they they just uh, they did a good job of just telling you, you know, how rotational athletes work. And, and the reasons why we test these different movements. And, um, ever since, like right when I got back, I was, you know, just so excited about this new information and just, you know, because, you know, you try and cue a guy on, um, a a swing, a swing mechanic flaw that, you know, you guys have been working on for so long and this kid just can't get it. And it's like, you know, man, maybe he's just really unathletic or, or maybe I can't. I can't tell him in the right way, you know, and you're, 
you're going back and forth and both of you guys are beating your head against the wall about, you know, this kid not being able to do this one movement. And now this is kind of like the answer to it. You know, it's maybe his body can't physically do that. So, you know, you're basically just wasting your time trying to cue him into this spot the whole time. So when I got back, um, I immediately, I started screening every hitter we had. And, and that's what, um, if like, if you're a new hitter coming in, uh, tomorrow, like that's the first thing you're going to do. I'm going to grab you. I'm going to take you over. I'm going to screen you. So I know exactly what you can and can't do. And, you know, and then I'll prescribe you exercises for the things that, um, you're, you can't do very well. Um, and then that, that is going to make it easier for me to get you into a good position to hit, you know, cause now we're going to have more mobility, more range of motion, or it's like, okay, you're only here for a week. Um, you've got X, Y, and Z, you know, mobility flaws. So let's kind of put a bandaid on it and work around it. I'll give you some exercises. And then when you come back next summer, you know, hopefully your mobility has increased and now we can really start, you know, breaking some eggs and getting, getting our hands dirty. So when you screen somebody, is that what are basically, what are you doing? Are you just seeing like how flexible they are and if they're tight or a stiff mover, then you're not going to have them do like a huge leg kick because they're stiff or the opposite as a loose mover. Like what, what exactly do you mean by like a screening? Um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll screen the whole thing takes like 15 minutes or so tops. And, um, like basically I'm checking like internal, external hip rotation, uh, shoulder flexion, uh, wrist flexion and extension, uh, ulnar and radial deviation, um, ankle mobility, um, uh, head mobility, like, uh, um, thoracic extension, basically every, everything, every component that your body is going to need to rotate efficiently and, um, and to, to deliver the barrel, like in a, in an efficient pattern and like accurately. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just been, uh, it's been really useful, but, um, the, the screen itself is just, uh, it's a handful. It's probably, I think it's 12 or 15 just different, uh, movements that I'll just put you through and okay. Uh, put your right foot, foot down, left toe up. Okay. Like turn to your right. Okay. You're bad internal rotation, you know, just, just little movement stuff. That's, it's got a little bit to do with flexibility, but mostly it's just how the body can move, you know? And then what do you do with that information when it comes to applying it to their swing? Um, that's been a little bit tougher because the, the golf world has it all built out. So at the end of the screen, I could tell you exactly what your golf swing looks like, but that's not really helpful in this world. Um, but uh, it has helped in terms of like maybe a guy will like cast or release the barrel a little bit too early and that's because he can't like create enough lag with his wrists you know because he's got a poor wrist hinge or um or he keeps rolling everything over because he can't pronate with his top hand very well or he can't supinate very well um so that's kind of been the the secondary kicker where it's like okay um this guy keeps jumping out at the ball that's that's something that we see quite a bit especially working on the machine with guys that can't get the timing but after they've been here for like uh 10 days two weeks like they should be able to get the timing on the machine with the rhythm you know so they're not like jumping around and their timing's all jacked up you know that's when it's like okay this kid is still jumping at the ball 
um, I'll look through a screen and be like, okay, he has poor um, internal rotation on his back hip. Okay, so that's probably why, like, he can't sit down into his back hip. His body is just shooting him back out of it. So he's just kind of jumping towards the mound all the time. So let's let's get that hip joint loosened up. Let's teach him how to sit back into that back hip, and that'll give him a little bit longer and more more room to move. Do you think that all hitting coaches should have to be TPI certified? I don't think that they have to be, but I think it is a very valuable tool. And I think, I think if you're not TPI certified, I think you should at least have like the understanding of the body and like how the body moves. Because I think, uh, I think that is something that goes very well overlooked in the baseball community. You know, it's, it's such an old school game. Like this is kind of a new thing, but it's extremely valuable in my, in my opinion, like, like you, you should understand how guys move and what they can and can't do. You know, if you're trying to create Mark McGuire, um, you got to have a guy that can move like Mark McGuire. You know, you can't just do it with every little kid you come across. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Max, really appreciate you uh, you coming on and, and dropping some information about, you know, being TPI'd. And I'll, I'll call up Andrew Dunn with the Pecos League, see if we can get you that $57. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I can't wait. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Patrick.